real quick, like, thank you all, those of you who were faithful and um, showed up last week. And I want to thank uh, Pastor Rory for stepping in for me as Michelle and I took a small break. Uh, greatly needed. Not long enough. <laughs> but anyway, I do want to thank you all for being faithful and I appreciate it. And I know Pastor Rory appreciates it as well. You know, those of us who have been around and, and, and for a while and those of us who meet together on Wednesday nights, we've been um, studying discipleship. And uh, man, I just want to go through just a couple of quick uh, scriptures just to bring all of us kind of uh, on the same wavelength, so to speak. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20, it says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age. My brothers and sisters, again, I know I'm repeating, but I've got to tell you, because I, don't, I, I just think this is lacking so much in the church. We are not called to sit in churches. We are not called to be Christians in name only. We are called to be disciples. And a disciple is one who follows the teaching of his master. He is one who lives out and emulates the, the teacher and lives like the teacher. I, want, I, need to, I need to always be looking at myself and comparing myself not to you, or not to another preacher, or not to anyone else. The comparison that I need to make is to Jesus. How do I look compared to Jesus? And, and, and we've made so many excuses and we have so many things that we could say, you know, well, I'm never going to be like Jesus and all that. Well, I beg to differ because Jesus said something different. Amen. And the Bible tells us as he is in this world, so are we. Amen. So it's, all, it's, it's incumbent upon us. If we love him, then we, that's what we do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it there for a minute. But now look, in, in Romans 10, 9, remember this, those of us who have been studying together. By faith, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The reason why I bring that up, we are his disciple, but he is our Lord. Amen. And that Lord, that, that word that comes from the Greek, it's, it's translated Lord, but it means he owns us. And I know that that's kind of really a bad thing to discuss in this modern culture. No one owns me, I'm my own person, so on and so forth. But literally, he owns us. And so I'm his disciple. He's bought me, he's paid for me. I belong to him, amen? Amen. So now going forward, let's keep those things in mind. I'm going to read to you from Romans. There's a lengthy piece of scripture here, so I want to ask you for your your attention and your indulgence as I read this scripture. Sometimes we get a little lost or whatever. Young people, please hear these words out of Romans. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, verses 1 through 14. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see that? The righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us who are not walking according to our old nature, but according to the nature that's been given to us in the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set to God's law, uh, I'm sorry, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So here now, if he's, again, speaking to ownership, I belong to Him, right? He's my Lord. That means His Spirit is inside of me. Amen? Verse 10, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Hallelujah. See, this is, this is what we have, y'all. This is what we have. This is, what, this is the difference maker. This is what allows us to walk differently in this culture. Amen. And this is the proof. The proof is in the pudding. You know, how are we walking? If we're walking and we truly have, if we truly belong to Jesus, we have His Spirit inside of us, our mind is different. We're walking differently. Amen? Isn't that? And then because of that, we have no fear. We, have, we don't even have to fear death. We have no fear whatsoever. He's promised us life and peace. Amen? So now verse 12, which would be on the screen. So then, brothers, we are debtors. I want you to remember this one. So, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen. But you see that? We are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We've been bought with a price. I want to remind you in 1 John 4.10, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation? Who uses that word? (laughs) Propitiation? The sacrifice, the payment. God bought us. God paid for us. We see, we, we just can't get this in our minds in this current culture because we're looking at all of the evil and all of the negativity and because we don't line up with that, we're not that bad. According to God, there's none righteous. No, not one. Uh, we all need God. We all need Jesus. Amen? So look, I know that. I know. See, you don't need a preacher to tell you that. In fact, Michelle and I were, were uh, scanning through while we were on vacation and, and looking. I think it was when we were on vacation. But anyway, uh, one, of the, you know, one of the most famous preachers of our time, you know, cultural, church culture trendsetter, says, you know, people don't need to be told they're sinners. They already know they're sinners. I beg to differ. Amen. I know people who insist that they're okay even though they're living totally away from God, but they insist that they're okay. So I, I, I don't know about you. And sometimes I need to be reminded, I still am a flawed human being. I, am just, I, I need Jesus just as much now as when I went to Him in the beginning. I need Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Hallelujah. I need Jesus every day. Every day. I'm so glad that He's put His Spirit inside of me to lead me, to guide me, to direct me, to help me to understand the Scripture, to help me to live out the Scripture. Amen? This is a great thing. This is a relationship thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But sometimes we just, we're looking at everything around us and, you know, we're looking at, you know, how we're living and, you know, this may not apply to you. Maybe, this, maybe I'm just preaching to me today. 
in Ecclesiastes, the Word of God tells us because man doesn't experience the punishment of God that he deserves, it changes the way he thinks and he goes on living the way he's living. And because a man who's not living according to God, he, 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 he's not punished he, and he's not received, he could still live a, 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 you know, the, a life that is the normal life expectancy. But it also says you're going to have to give account someday. And so, yeah, why are you bringing us all this, good, all this bad news? No, the, the good news, the good news is, you know what, even though we're not receiving, even though the world may look like, you know, it's going to roll merrily along, and why do we live this life, or why do we go to church, why do we read the scriptures, why do we study, why do we do all these things when all of these other people are doing all of these things, and nothing seems to go wrong with them, they're still living okay, everything's happening. We can't live like that. We know better. And someday they will have to give an account. But what happens in the meantime is because the punishment is not immediate, because there's no correction right now, it changes how they think. Well, it must be okay. Are you with me? So how many of you uh, have raised kids? God bless you. God bless you. So, so let me... Yeah, God bless you in two ways. <laughs> Especially if they're teenagers. <laughs> Amen? Oh, I feel for you, sister. It gets better. <laughs> but they'll think about this. When, when we're raising kids, if we tell them a certain thing, a certain behavior, something that, that's wrong, and if we go ahead and, and you know, let them go ahead and do it anyway, and there's no, you know, we don't follow up. There's no consequence. There's nothing. You know, we might as well, we're wasting our breath. Because you know they're going to try you. You know, last night I was uh, at the merge rally, and I... Man, it, it, you guys, again, I want to thank you for your faithfulness because Heart of Worship had a presence there. Although none of our kids were able to make it last night, uh, you guys provided some food and everything else because of your generosity. I appreciate that. And I know they appreciate it as well. But anyway, while I was there, one of the pastors had one of their grandchildren visiting. And you could see that that grandchild was testing them. He wasn't supposed to go to a certain area. He's a toddler, but he wasn't supposed to go to a certain place. But you could see... Right now, now everybody's like, you know it, right? So now you see that happening. Now, if if he doesn't get corrected, he's just going to go ahead and do it. So we need to correct. And you know, it doesn't mean beat him senseless, but it. But, but what it does mean is you go and you 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 make the correction. No, 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 Johnny, Sally, Brock Morton. Come over here, Mr. Brockmorton. This is where we. You don't go over there, Mr. Brockmorton, Mrs. Brockmorton. You don't do that, right? See, so some of the sisters, we're human. And if we live according to the flesh, we under, we, that's the way we, we got our lives. If, our, if, if, the, if we don't have consequence immediate, we think that, okay, we're okay. And we fall into these bad habits. But we have the Spirit of God living in us. Hallelujah. And we have to adhere to it something different, but not external, internal. Not because he's, he's sitting there because I dread the punishment. No, but because he loves me and he's paid the price for me. And now I see now that changes everything. It's not about the punishment that I fear. It's because he loves me and because he paid for me. So that's who I want to serve. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you out of John. I was going to read out of the book, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it. This is going to be out of the New King James Version, a story that we're all familiar with. Lord, help me. Help me. 
get out of the way so that these may hear your word and your word only. In Jesus' name. John 8, beginning in verse 2. Now early in the morning, he, Jesus, came into the temple and all the people came to him and sat down and and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the least. And, th- and, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, Lord, no one. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. I mean, many of you who have been in church for a long time, you've read the scripture before, you've heard this preached before, and there's so many different ways and so many different angles and so many... But now, I guess, in this season where we are, I just want you to hear and see. Picture this. First, God is a righteous judge. See... I'm afraid that in in this modern culture we forget that part of God. He is a righteous judge. God is righteous and He is our judge. Psalm 89.14 Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Psalm 103.6 and 7 The Lord executes, He executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses. Now watch. The significance of this is now in this particular circumstances, the Pharisees and, and the scribes, what they're doing is they're bringing up the law of Moses. So listen, what they're saying is actually true. It is in the law that anyone, commi- anyone committing adultery, anyone caught in, the, in adultery, would be killed, would be executed. Thank God. Come on now. Amen. Suppose that was the uh, law in this land. Boy, the population be thinned out, lickety-splitting in a hurry. Well, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, that is true. That is absolutely true. What they were saying was right, but not just the woman, the woman and the man. They both would be executed. Moses made that known. He got it from God, and he let the people know. That's a standard of God. That is not just a standard that God arbitrarily threw out there. That is an absolute truth. That if you live your life by, it, 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 you are just and you are in righteousness. Psalm 119, 160. The entirety of your word is truth and every one of your righteous judgments endures. Do you see that? It's just as bad to commit adultery now as it was then. In fact, Jesus raised the bar. He said, it's written that if you uh, commit adultery with a woman, it's a sin. You shall not commit adultery. I say, if you look on a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery. Why? Because the law was something external. It was telling us what God's standards of righteousness, righteousness and justice were. 
And now Jesus is saying, really what the law couldn't do, and as we read in Romans and as we study together, the law couldn't change you on the inside. What I'm saying is you need to be changed on the inside because this isn't just a set of external rules and laws. This is something that you need to understand and you need to get a hold of and you need to, listen, you need to gain it by relationship and understanding by the Spirit that I've now placed in you. It's now part of you. It's not external. It's not rules. It's not religion. It's relationship. It's relational. It's how, you, it's how you govern your life. It's a spiritual mindset, no longer an earthly or a carnal mindset. Amen? Second Timothy 4.8, part of it says this, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Our God is a righteous judge, and we're all going to have to answer to Him. Period. Not to me. You don't have to impress me. You know, through the years, there have been many people that come and go, gone in this church. And they think just because I don't, and they think always I don't know what's going on, but I do. God speaks to us, and, and God, you know, sometimes I, I know, but I, just because I don't say it doesn't mean that I don't know it. But sometimes I don't know it. And it doesn't matter whether I know it or not, because God knows it. Amen. So trying to impress me or impress your neighbor or do anything else, it really doesn't mean anything, because you're going to have to give an answer to God. He is your judge. He's the one who counts. Amen. Romans 14, 12, each of us will give an account to God. So my brothers and sisters, point one, God is your righteous judge. God is your righteous judge. Don't, listen, stop, don't even think about your neighbor. Don't even think about me. Don't even think about anybody else. Just keep in mind, God is, and not only that, my brothers and sisters, listen, He's the one who set the standard. And, and, and it's not up to me to lower the standard, to raise the standard. It's just me to teach you the Word, for us to learn the Word together, for us to go ahead and get, get it down on the inside of us. Amen? That's, that's what this is. It's, so we learn together. We're taught together what the Word of God says, His standard of righteousness. Amen? I'm not raising it, and I'm not lowering it. It's not up to me to hold you to it. Right? Okay. Let's look at something else here. You have the accusers. You have the accusers. Now, this is, it's always easy to pick on these guys. It's, it's, they make it easy. <laughs> they made it easy for Jesus. <laughs> they make, but now watch. They're accusing her, and their whole methodology here is they really want to accuse him. They really want to get at Jesus. So they're going to accuse her, and, and, and I've got to remind you, what they're doing is according to the law. They're, they're executing what was taught to them out of the law of Moses, God's Word. God's Word. Amen? Now listen, don't get off on any tangents. Don't worry about this other sideways stuff. Listen to what, the, what God is telling you right here, right now. What they were doing was right as it related to the law. But Jesus wasn't there only to relate the law. He was, he was there trying to show them the spirit behind the law. Amen. So now Jesus is there in the middle of all of these, this, this, this thing. You know what, too? I, I, you know, the Bible makes it sound like, and, and often I've wondered about this and I've heard it said, man, so Jesus kind of was indifferent. What would have happened if they didn't ask him anything? Would he have just sat there and watched her get stoned to death? No way. There's no way. No way he would have done that. Well, how do you know, Tony? Because I know him. And some of you in this room would, would say yes and amen. There's no way that he's just going to sit there and watch a woman get stoned to death. 
But he was just sitting there. He didn't say anything. He didn't intervene because he knew what was going to happen. He knew just by him being there, something would change. Something would change. He knew just by him being there, the total atmosphere had to change. Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, that's what we need in churches today. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's about us coming together and trying to get into His presence. Right? Right? Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. We're coming in here. I'm trying to draw near to Him. How about you? We're trying to... That's why we sing the songs that we sing. We worship Him. We pray to Him. We want to draw near to Him and have Him draw near to us. Amen? Hallelujah. That's right. Because when he, when we get in his presence, something happens. The atmosphere has to change. Amen? Hallelujah. Awesome. Awesome. But these accusers. You know, in Revelation, the enemy of our soul, Satan, is called the accuser of the brethren. You have an accuser. And his job is to go ahead and, and, and show up God by, by, by showing all of your little faults and frailties, especially those of us who are confessing Christ. He wants to point to us and say, see? See? And then in, in front of uh, other people, when we're professing and then our, our walk isn't matching our profession, it's really easy for other people to even say, well, see, let me ask you all, have any of you ever heard this? I thought you were a Christian. I'm not the only one, huh? Well, why? Why? Because it's in there. It's that's the accuser. That's the nature of the enemy of our soul is to accuse, is to tear down, not build up. Accusers. We cannot let. That's okay. God bless you. We cannot let the accuser, our critics, or, how about this one, compromisers affect us. See, because you have them on, they're going to keep us from progressing. See, this is all about progress. I don't know about you. I'm not the same person that I was when I first became born again. I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. I'm not the same person that I was six months ago. See, it's, it's Jesus in me that's helping me to progress. It's not me, it's Him. But I have to yield myself to that. And that's what this is about. You know, He's perfecting us. We're in this process of sanctification. He set us apart. He called us out from among them. So now He's he's changing us. He's molding us. He's making us. We're going from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This is a great thing. We're progressing. Yeah, I've still made mistakes. How about you? Anybody make a mistake this week? (laughs) Yeah, I did. But look, here's the thing. I'm not satisfied with the mistake, but I'm not going to let the accuser tear me down or tear me up or discourage me from going and walking the path that he set before me. I may have made a mistake, but I have a relationship with him, and I understand in my relationship with him, when I make a mistake, he picks me up. He doesn't kick me to the curb. Yeah, you made the mistake, son, but let's go. We can do this better. See, that's what that's, that's all about. You know what? It's like the kid. I'm, I'm walking and I'm, and I'm, going, I'm going this way, so I need the Holy Spirit in me to say, don't do that. And then I still have the freedom of choice. And that's how He loves. And then when I went ahead and I, I went in that place where I wasn't supposed to go, and then all of a sudden the accuser, he brought the guilt and shame on me. But I didn't have to stay there. 
I didn't let it discourage me. I didn't let it depress me. I didn't let it go ahead and make me just say, that's it, it's all over. No sense in even trying anymore. Uh Uh-uh. Because His Spirit is still in me, you see. I still have some of y'all praying for me, you see. I still have a wife who loves me, you see. That's what this relationship is about. Reconciled this way and reconciled that way. Hallelujah. I still have people who love me out there. And they rec- I'm reconciled to Him and you help me to stay reconciled to Him and to you. Hallelujah. We pray for each other. We lift each other up. Amen. And then the Spirit of God inside of us says, okay, we could do this better. Come on. Doesn't put us on a 90-day probation period. Doesn't whoop us like a big bass drum. No. Come on, we could do this better. Let's joke up. Let's go. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, we cannot... But see, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid. I know that's not scriptural. You always say, well, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Ah, shut up. Listen, you understand what I mean. I'm a little concerned. Let me say it that way. I'm a little concerned because in this culture, we constantly make excuses for unholiness and unrighteousness. And, and compromise seems to be the way. Listen, making a mistake is one thing, but if you just go ahead and compromise with the Word of God, you, man, you're not walking the way that you should walk. You're not, I, I, are you even hearing Him anymore? You're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. So now, that's the communication that we have. His Spirit in us, right? So I'm quenching it. I'm grieving it. How in the world? I I don't want to get on that path, you see. So I'm going to see what the Word of God says. I'm not going to make any excuses. If I miss the mark, I'm not going to say, well, you know, God knows my heart. It's okay. No, it's not okay. He does know your heart. He does. And that's the problem. And my brothers and sisters, He knows our heart, but He loves us anyway, and He's given us His grace, His glory, to go ahead and change from within. Hallelujah! It's good stuff, man. I'm not going to let any, I'm not going to let the accuser, my critics, I'm not going to let the compromisers, I'm not going to let them change or inhibit my progress in any way. Are you with me? How about you? You know what? I'm not going to be discouraged when I miss the mark. But I'm not going to go ahead and lower the bar too because I missed the mark. I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, I missed it. Come on, help me. How many of... I've got to push on this a little bit. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I've got to push on this a little bit. Watch. There have been so many times in my life... Let me say this better. (laughs) There have been some times in my life where where it would be, you know... I missed the mark or I, I, made, I made a mistake or I feel you know, something inside of me that I shouldn't feel. So I say, okay, Jesus, obviously I'm failing at this. I thought that you know, this was already worked out in me, but obviously it's not. So I need your help. Holy Spirit, strengthen me because this is an area that obviously I need your strength in because I'm not able to do it in myself. Have, have you ever? You know what? As soon as I, I learned how to pray that way, it's been a big help because it relieves, it, it takes some of the pressure off of me and puts it back on Him, right where He wants it. Amen. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And in the context in which He's saying is, look, there's a bunch of, of religious rules and stuff that's put on you and you just feel this burden for trying to do this right, do that right, do the other thing right. I'm saying, come unto me. Rest in me. We'll tackle this together. It also tells us in the scripture, doesn't it, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So now all of a sudden, in my weakness, I'm saying, God, I'm calling on your strength because that's where I'm, that you're going to be made perfect right here. 
I'm giving you an opportunity, Lord, to look good. <laughs> if you can change me, you can change anybody. How about it? All right, let's go on to the next. So now, you know, you've got these, these self-righteous accusers. They're, they're self-righteous. I mean, these guys think they're all right. They, you know, of course, they're the, they're the religious people of the time, and they're self-righteous. They think they got it. We're doing this according to the law of Moses. But Jesus is writing something on the ground. Now, <laughs> I've, I've taught out of here before, and I, I said it this way before, because I've heard people debate over this. What was he writing? Well, some say he was writing their sins. Some say he was writing their names or the names of their mistresses. I don't know what he was writing, and neither do you. We can guess. We can surmise based on reactions and all this other stuff. But it really doesn't matter. Wherever he was writing, it probably had an effect. Because I don't think that it was just his appearance of being disinterested, although we know he was very interested. Right? So I don't think it was just that that ran them off. I think he was writing something that significantly, maybe, definitely had an effect. So maybe it was the names of the mistresses that some of those guys had. Or maybe it was just some of the sins that they had committed. Maybe it was their names. Next. Next. If you're going to execute her, next. Next. Right? So then all of a sudden we see that these self-righteous, these people who were accusers, all of a sudden just dropped the rocks. But you notice what it says? From the oldest to the least or to the youngest. I wonder why. Maybe a bigger list of sins. I don't know. (laughs) More experience, uh, more not. I don't know. But I, I think that's probably significant and maybe to be discussed at another time. But what was he writing? The Bible tells me, and you, us, how we judge is how we will be judged. So now a lot of people have said this. um, If someone says anything to them, uh, a word or scripture, you're judging me. No. The word is judging you. But it also says to us, if, we're in a, if we love each other, we're in a relationship, then sometimes I'm going to say to you, or I would expect for you to say to me, hey man, how you doing? Uh, uh, have you ever seen a brother or a sister that was struggling with something? And, and you don't condemn them, but you go to them and say, hey, what can I help you? How are you? Can I pray with you about anything? Not in a condemning way, or not even in a, you know... <laughs> Not even looking down on them. Not, in, not even, you know, just... I, I don't... I want to say this right from my heart. In truly a loving and, a, and in a way that shows that you're concerned. You know? Not condescending or anything like that. But see, that's the way this should be. I'm not judging you. I, I don't want you to feel condemnation. I just want you to know that you have somebody who cares for you and who will stand in the gap with you, who will join hands and, and just go to God with you. That's it. And I, w- I, I hope you feel the same way about me. And I hope you feel that way about each other. You know, all of us are in different seasons. Some of us know a lot of this word and some of us don't know a lot about the word. Some of us have been studying the word for a long time and some of us not too long. But it doesn't matter because Jesus loves us all. And, and, and if you're born again, if you are born again, you're his kid. And I don't know about you, but I love all my kids the same. Well, no, I do. <laughs> but 
but, but, but you understand what I'm saying to you? So who am I? I'm not your judge. I'm your brother. I'm your sibling in Christ. And if they want to go through you, get to you, they're going to have to go through me. And I hope you feel the same about me. Amen? Okay, so let's go on. Final point. The law and justice of God said that she should be stoned to death. Right? But look at what the grace and the, and, uh, and the love of Christ says. Let one who is without sin execute the judgment. Let one who is without sin, he said, throw the first stone. But in fact, what he's saying is execute judgment. So let one who is sin-free execute judgment. So we're going back now to verses 10 and 11. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those who accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Now, we really don't have any strict record of what happened to this woman after the fact. But just, I want you to, I, I picture this. I picture this. Listen, when, those, when she has all of these people standing around that, with rocks in hand, we know that they had the rocks in hand. What do you think she was doing? I think she was probably curled up in a fetal position. She probably had her head covered. What would you do? That's what I would do. I would be curled up and I'd have my hands over my head. They'd have to, they'd have to tie me up, baby, because I'm not going to sit there and get, let them rock. It's, it's just nature. I mean, you see one flying at your face, you're just going to stand there and let... No, man, you're going you're gonna, to... So I can imagine that she was curled up in a little ball, covering herself... Then yeah, absolutely crying, all tore up emotionally, all, you know, probably felt guilty and shame all at the same time, and just probably an emotional wreck, physically shaken, the whole nine yards, everything, just a total wreck. And then you have this man say, let he who is without sin throw the first stone, and then all of a sudden, you ain't getting hit with rocks. Nothing's flying at you. You don't feel anything. You probably got your eyes closed and you probably got your head all covered up, but you ain't feeling anything flying at you. You ain't getting hit with nothing. So little by little, and you're probably hearing some rocks drop. So if it's me, I'd be kind of peeking out of my eye like this. So she sees them going one by one by one. They're going. And now all of a sudden, maybe she picks her head up. And then Jesus poses that question. And then says to her, I'm not condemning you either. I just saved you. I just saved you. I just saved your life. I'm not condemning you. I just saved your life. Now you go and sin no more. Let me ask y'all something. Did Jesus actually require her not to sin anymore? Yes. He, he did. Why would he say it? Did he think that she would sin again? Yeah. But he's saying to her, the goal here is don't sin anymore. Don't do that. Don't do it. That was the requirement. Now go, I've just saved your life. Now go and don't do that anymore. Go and sin no more. My brothers and sisters, remember what it said. We are debtors 
We're in debt. Not to the flesh, but we're in debt to Jesus. Remember, He was our propitiation. Remember that word? What? Who uses that, right? He was our payment. He paid the debt. So we're no longer in debt to live out in the flesh what we think is right or any other thing that anybody else puts on us as right or wrong. We're in debt to Jesus. Why? He's the one who paid for me. He's the one who bought me. Let me ask you all something. I, I can tell you, me and Michelle, we still have a little mortgage on our house that we've got to make payments to, right? Okay, I don't even know what bank holds the mortgage on our house. So God forbid the Lord takes Michelle before he takes me. I'm going to have to fish through papers. I'll be calling my kids, help me, because I'm in the middle of a nightmare here. She's the accountant. She's great with the... She does everything. Thank God. So, look, I'm going to have to pay... a Now, if I don't know the bank, I'm going to write a check to a bank. I'm going to walk into a bank. I'm going to give them the... If they ain't the ones that hold a mortgage, what's going to happen? Is my debt being paid? No. No. I may, come, I may come home one day and find a sign on the door. I'll be a chain or a bolt on the door one day. Why? Because I don't pay who I don't owe. Are you with me? How many of you have a, a loan on your car? Whoever, has, whoever holds that loan, you don't make that payment to somebody else. If I, you know, and here's the other thing. I'm not going to walk down. If I bought down the street here and I make a, a pay, uh, I'm sorry, I buy a car at this dealership right here. Well, they ain't financing it. Right? Somebody else is financing it. I, that debt is somebody else. I owe that debt to somebody else. So now if I go in there and I make out the check to that dealership, guess what? That car may be gone from my driveway one day. Why? Because I don't owe them. I owe whoever I'm in debt to, whoever paid the price. We don't owe anybody anything. We owe our life to Jesus.